You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Coming up on this episode of the Kingdom Bringer Podcast. So we started dating. Uh, we dated for a long time. Uh, I was selling cell phones. She was selling cell phones. I remember at one point I was her direct supervisor. And when things had gotten serious, I was like, this probably isn't really appropriate. <laughs> It wasn't very long, and we started talking to Pastor. I don't know how many times you told me, the Lord cannot bless your relationship when you're living in sin the way you guys are living in sin. All three of the veins in her frontal lobe had a blood clot in them. So her not being able to get out of the bathtub and her mental state that day was caused by, by strokes. Okay, man. We are on. We are recording. Okay. How's it feel to be in uh, KB Studios? Uh, my son has wanted to be on your podcast, and I'm disappointed that he didn't come with me. Yeah, man. I told you to bring him. He'd have to be quiet. Yeah, he wasn't too thrilled about the quiet part. I'll bet. I'll bet he wanted a th- <laughs> the third mic. I'm sure he was interested in. Uh, he would have been very interested. That's funny. So how you been doing, man? Ah. Uh, it's been a interesting couple of weeks, but I think for the most part, I've been doing good, leaning into the Lord, growing. It's good. We're, we're start a spring break, so. Yeah, man, you're a teacher. Where do you teach at again? Dodge City Middle School. Dodge City Middle School. So you got the, what I would call not so fun age. Oh, <laughs> I disagree. You disagree. Okay. What do you like about it? Oh, man. The kids... It's really easy to know where you stand with these Cause this age group. Because they'll tell you? Because <laughs> they'll tell you. Okay. Um, there, there are some, you know, situations where there's a respect issue. But for the most part, the kids are friendly. And I, I my group of kids, right, I, have a, I, I see a very small group of kids. Yeah. Teaching special education. Yeah. And, and those kids, they're, they're happy to come in every day. For the most part, they work hard. We laugh a lot because there's usually something funny that's being said. <laughs> so what's your, uh, what's your favorite part about teaching? What's your favorite part about that? Man, I started to get into teaching because I wanted to impact kids. You know, you and I worked together at Youthville years ago. Yeah. Um, and that was the joy of working there was, impacting those kids it wasn't because the stress level was so fun yeah (laughs) but when I first started my teaching career I was at the college right at the junior college and I taught a remedial reading class and to have grown adults right because they're 18 to 22 generally and then you'd also have some adults that were coming back to school um, that struggled with reading and to be able to help them knowing the impact that can make on their life, uh, that really sparked something with that reading aspect. Yeah. And then by chance, I got to teach ELA at the at the middle school. That's English, um, with special education students that are very um, low academically. And I tell you what, being able to work with those kids 
and seeing the growth that they make year after year um, in the reading. Mm-hmm. I love it. And, and fortunately, I, I'm changing jobs next year, and that's all I get to do. That's what I'm going to do all day. Every class is, you know, help improve young people's ability to read. Wow. And that's, yeah, I, I got held back in first grade for right. my reading. Um, so it's one of those things that I'm passionate about. And those kids get to see me every day and we build those relationships. And when they're having a hard day, um, you can impact them with a smile. Yeah. And they know they're going to get to see Mr. Davis every day. They're usually pretty joyful when they come in. Yeah. Well, it's kind of cool because you've seen kind of both sides of the spectrum. You get to, you've seen the struggles that these college kids have had. And if you trace it back, it's probably from the age Mm. that you get to deal with them right now. So that's kind of cool that you're preparing them so that they don't end up what you used to teach kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. I actually just spoke that into uh, one of the students just the other day, um, Wednesday, Thursday. I was sharing a story about one of my college kids that I still have contact with. Uh, He was uh, from the inner city, Chicago, and he struggled with reading and he was an excellent football player and he needed to get all of his credits taken care of so that he could go D1. Uh, He ended up missing D1 eligibility by like a half a GPA and it was, he was pretty disappointed, but he persevered. And became all conference in the wow, and you know where he the smaller school that he went to, but he couldn't comprehend what he read. But if you read to him, he understood everything. Wow, and I have a student like that right now, and I was just trying to encourage him that this young man graduated college with a very similar learning disability. Yeah, and uh, man, that's just. A testament also to, you know, a lot of, a lot of people think learning disability, think kid isn't intelligent. Right. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. And it's a very common misconception. Yeah. So with that, I think that's a good point because usually like I'm a kid who had a stutter when I was younger, like a bad, just, just, just like a bad stutter. And I think that kids that just have even like speech impediments alter the way that they have to do things, which ends up probably being a deficit when they're older in an area simply because they had, they weren't, it wasn't because they weren't intelligent. It's because they had to change the way that they did things. I don't know if you've come across that at all, but like kids that have, um, I mean, we call them learning disabilities, but I don't know. Am I on the same? Yeah. Does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah. And it, it becomes like, a coping skill. There you go. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And, and we see that a lot. And, yeah. uh, a kid, I, I have another young man that, uh, is an eighth grader this year. So I've had him for three years and we haven't seen the amount of growth that, that I desire. That is my goal. Um, but the young man, when he tries, he really does an excellent job, but he just hasn't grown how I, how I have desired. Yeah. But for himself, he's, he, he has those coping skills where, uh, we try to teach phonics, yeah. right. Where you break the word apart. Yep. And some people probably don't know that there are some kids that just cannot do that. Right. Uh, this young man is, is one of those students that 
phonetically, he cannot take a consonant vowel and slide them together. Wow. Right? Yeah. And it, you would say it was just bah. Yeah. But he can't do that. Yeah. And so he takes, so this is an example of that. He'll take B-A-D and you'll want him to say B-A-B-A-D. Yeah. And he will, let's, if he, let's say he would know that word, but let's say he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. He would just put a word that he knows into it. Even though he could say the individual sounds of each letter, yeah, putting he can't them putting them together. He can't do it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that that would be a whole word learner. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's the that's crazy. Yeah. And those are the kids that you're getting, right? You Absolutely. Get, you get those kind of deficits or those kind of situations. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess we could do a uh, kingdom in the classroom, <laughs> but. The reason I invited you on, bro, is because I wanted to do um, Kingdom and Tragedy. So the, uh, yeah. the idea of releasing the kingdom amidst tragedy. And unfortunately, I had, we all kind of have uh, multiple friends that have experienced tragedy or you've walked through tragedy with them. And you were the first person that kind of came to my heart on that. And so I wanted to ask you on to talk about that if that's still okay it is okay tell us a little bit about the tragedy that you've gone through in your life bro you've got some fruit from that tragedy with your son Carson um but I kind of want you to just just open it up tell us the story bro about why you're here you believe why you're here (laughs) anyway well it goes back to before I was a teacher yeah Uh, I sold cell phones Uh, way back in the day when they had bag phones you young people may need to Google that. Uh, That's but, hilarious. Was it that long ago? Yeah, man. I didn't know that. Yeah. I I was the master bag phone guy. Good Lord. Yeah, there towards the end. I was the only one that had experience with bag phones. That was a short-lived fad, thank God. <laughs> uh, I just took some technology. That's uh, so funny. Man, It was that was before iPhones. Um, it was before texting. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yep. Funny funny story. When they came out with texting, we were like, this is stupid. Nobody's going to do it. Who's going to take the time to punch out numbers yep. like this? Uh, and now that's all anybody does. That is funny. But yeah, I worked uh, for a cell phone company for about 10 years. Uh, at, actually, at the same time, as I mentioned before, that I worked at Youthville. Uh, that I had two jobs. I didn't know that either. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know you were working both jobs. Cool. Yeah. And then... Uh, well, eventually, uh, we hired this young lady to work with us, and you know we would flirt back and forth. And one day, I gave in, and I was like, "All right, we'll go hang out after work." And uh, we had our first date. We were over at her house uh, with her nieces, I believe, if I remember correctly. And uh, I think I've told this story in public before that. At the end of the date, I could tell that she wanted a kiss. Yeah. And I was like, nah. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) This was uh, my pre-Christian days, and I was, yeah. And so I was just playing along, playing the game. And uh, she never let me forget that. Uh, Her name was Belen, by the way. And so we started dating. Uh, we dated for a long time. 
uh, I was selling cell phones. She was selling cell phones. I remember at one point I was her direct supervisor. And when things had gotten serious, I was like, this probably isn't really appropriate. <laughs> so I took a different position in the company. Uh, that was a poor decision. But I did. I took a different position so that I wasn't her direct supervisor. We sat down with my bosses and told them, hey, we are having a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> We're not asking permission. We're telling you that we are in a relationship. Yeah. That's good. And, uh, yeah, that was a funny story too, but <laughs> I don't know that it's appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that discernment. That's good. And uh, so I did that job for a while and our small cell phone company went up for sale and uh, they got rid of all of the outside people that were outside of a store which would be myself and any other outside sales reps. So I got fired. I lost my job. And thankfully, I was still working at Youthville. So I went back to Youthville full time. And I was driving to work one day to Youthville. And I had Sirius in my car from because I drove all over the western Kansas for, yeah. for the cell phone company. And I was listening to the rock station. And you and I, right, we go way back. Yeah. By the way, those, those yes. you that don't know, Darren and I have known each other since eighth and seventh grade. He's yep. a year younger than I am. Yep. Uh, he loves this one. I'm going to throw this one out here just for him. I call him my moon <laughs> because he's always reflected the sun. Whoa. <laughs> the S-O-N. Uh, That's good, man. Yeah. He hates That's that. Good. Dude, I worked on you for a long time. I remember sitting in... Uh, athletic buses traveling, sharing Jesus with you, and we'd always get to a point where you're like, "Yeah, that was all really good, but it's not for me." <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing all of that, but I'm not ready yet. Let's just say you were a player. Let's just say you were a a, a I don't know what's the word party guy. I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't a I wasn't a partier or a player, but uh, anyway. Yeah, that's that's a brief rundown of our history. But we were we were friends um, after that. We, we lived together after we after I graduated. Um, we lived in the same house with a couple other guys. Um, I was definitely <laughs> attempting to be the light in a dark place at that moment. Uh, but yeah. it was more of a lock myself in the bedroom moment. But anyway, carry on, Jeremy. All right. So like Darren said, he had been working on me for a long time. And I actually, you know, prayed the prayer when yeah. I was a senior in high school. Uh, actually, remember the day, September second of '98. I do remember that. Wow. Actually, it was '97 because I was a senior. Um. Yeah. So, anyway, but I didn't change anything in my life, right? That was we always connected over music, really. I think, and our love for the 49ers and the and the Wildcats. Yes. Right. Um, yes. So Darren was working on me. He's like bro, you have got to quit being crazy because I was, uh, I had a, a girlfriend in high school, high school sweethearts, and, or is that, is that the term? That's the term, right? I think so. And, uh, that's what the kiddos say. Yeah. And I actually had a daughter when I was 20. Uh, and after that, her mother and I, uh, split up and I went into a depression and I, that was fueled by a lot of alcohol 
and promiscuity. Is that the right word? Yeah, man. And it was a really ugly time that you were had a front row seat to. Yeah. Uh, Cause you were living with us. Yeah. Um, and that, at, that was actually at the time that I started to work at the cell phone company and, uh, eventually started this relationship with Belen and I had gotten fired driving to work one day, have Sirius on the rock station and a, a Christian rock song came on that I was familiar with. Yeah. Uh, thousand foot crutch it all falls apart when i walk away from you wow right and i was like holy shnikes this is what's happening right now yeah right i lost my job um the relationship that belin and i were in was ugly you know it was fueled with drinking and uh you know she would go to the bar and get drunk and i would stay home and be happy that she was gone so that i could look at porn yep right if we're just being honest yep and i'd stay at home with the kids she had a kid i had a kid uh, we were not married. We were together for like six years, living together outside of marriage. Uh, we would fight and argue. And that song came on the radio that day. And we, I, I remember I called you. Yeah, I was at youth though, I believe, working. And I was like, Darren, it's time. That like That was the sign, like it was time. I honestly, I'll be honest, at this point, of my relationship with you, I was kind of fed up. Like I remember thinking like this dude's just never going to get it. He's not, he's going to live this lifestyle. He wants to live like forever. And when you, when you told me that I, I, if I'm being honest, my first response in my head was, yeah, okay. We've we've done this before. Yeah. We've had this conversation before. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) We we had had several conversations about how crazy my life was. Yeah. Um, and so you're like, yeah, man. And, and you know, we, your wife and yeah. my fiance at that time did not see eye to eye. No. And, <laughs> and you had invited us to church many occasions yeah. every Sunday for probably like two years. Yeah. At least. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. We were living in Jetmore at the time. And I, I remember calling you. I, I told my wife. Cause you had already, you'd give me that phone call that you were ready, right? Yes. You'd called me at that point that you were ready to turn your life over to Jesus. And so I held you accountable to that. And every single Saturday night I would call your phone <laughs> and say, you coming to church on Sunday. And I'd always get the answer of, yeah, we'll see every time. And of course he never showed up, but it was two years that I did that. Yeah, man. Every weekend for two <laughs> years. It's true. That's so funny. Uh, and so I remember I went home that night after we had had that conversation and uh, I I told Belen, I was like, listen, Sunday, I'm going to church. I'm taking the kids. You can come or not. Yeah. But something has to change. And thankfully, she decided to go. Uh, and so we started going to, to church yep. with you guys. Uh, we had tried out another church and that I, I love that tried out another church. Uh, ridiculous. Speaking of that, <laughs> that was funny too. The church that you tried was not the church that I went to. No. And I felt like that was definitely Boleyn too, right? <laughs> yes, it was. She was basically, you can go to a church, but we're not going to church with that guy. Yes. And, and more specifically, 
My wife. Your wife. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. funny. Yes. That's an accurate assessment. Women. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we, we start going to church. Um, so after we tried out the one church and then they came and visited us at home and talked to us about stuff, I was like, nah, I, you know, we gotta, we gotta go where yeah. Darren's at. Yeah. And reluctantly, uh, she, she's like, okay. And so we started going to church there and it wasn't very long. And we started talking to pastor and we were like, we, I don't know how many times you told me the Lord cannot bless your relationship when you're living in sin, the way you guys are living in sin. Yeah. And I was like, and so, uh, man, we, we'd been together for six years. We got married in six weeks after we started going to church <laughs> Yeah, uh, on a small budget. I mean, threw it together and, and we got married. And I, rem- I, remember, <laughs> I remember this also. You guys would come to church and you would never sit with us. <laughs> you guys would always sit three or four rows back again because of Berlin. And I remember one Sunday I forced my wife and I finally said, you know what? We're going to go back there with them. And so, I don't know if you knew that or not. I do not. This is amazing. We actually, I remember I was, I was so sick and tired. I'm like, okay, my best friend has finally come to church and he's sitting like four, he won't even sit with me in church. And so we grabbed her purse. We, we walked and we forced ourselves right next to you guys. <laughs> and I do feel like there was a breakthrough in that moment with, with Jamie and Boleyn. And that was hilarious. That's funny. That's awesome. I didn't even realize yeah, that we did that's that. That's so funny. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so you guys got married quick, super yes, quick, super quick after six years of not quickness. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, all through that six years of not quickness, um, <laughs> she wanted to have a kid together and I was like, my, I, our kids are, are older at this point. We each have one. I'm thinking we're great. Yeah. Why do we need to add another one? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, eventually we got to the point where I was like, you know what? Okay. If it happens, it happens. We won't try to not. How about that? Like that was the compromise. Yeah. (laughs) And she was okay with that. So, uh, a lot of people didn't know this about her, but she smoked and she hit it very well. I never knew it until you told me that later. Yeah. Yes. And so we got married in July of 2009 and in August actually on my birthday she always tells she she always reminded me that it wasn't for my birthday but right. we were we were in church and pastor was talking about there's something that you want but God wants you to give something up for him like sacrifice something wow and she quit smoking cold turkey that day <laughs> right yeah she was pregnant like a month later. Like insane. Wow. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So that was something that she had desperately wanted for, for years Yeah, was to get pregnant and that we could have a kid together. And then it happened. Yeah. And I was like, all right, sweet. You know, uh, and we found out we were going to have a boy and I was like, yeah, this kid's going to go everywhere with me. Right. Uh, we're gonna be best buddies, and we haven't said this either. But by this point, Jamie, my wife, and oh, Belinda yeah. are like best friends. Yes, best friends. So like, 
once once we decided to sit together at church, <laughs> <laughs> because we all know that going to church means everything as a Christian. Uh, that it, was the it kicker. It did at that time. It did for you guys, for sure. No. And so that's what, yeah. So we're hanging out, the four of us, and my wife, Jamie, and Belen are best friends. And my wife never really had best friends, man. Yeah. Like, my wife got saved, met me, and she really kind of, I mean, she was the life of the party for years and years and years. She had hundreds of friends. And when she got saved, she really felt like she needed to leave all that stuff behind. Yep. And just never really had friends after that. And so, yeah, Bolin was a special relationship for her, for sure. Yeah. Whoa. Pop. Jeremy, quit hitting the table. Ah, you can't blame that one on me. Go for it. And so, you know, the thing about that is, is Bolin experienced some of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, after, you know, because we, not only did we just get married, but I began to radically changed some things that I was doing in my own life. Um, I quit listening to secular music, which was a big deal yeah. for me in that, in that part of my life. Yeah. Um, I quit drinking and I never projected any of that onto her. And in her own time, she made those same wow. decisions and lost many of her friends too, because of that. Yeah. Um, but through that and the friendship that she had with Jamie, uh, those two were inseparable. They yeah. were amazing. Yeah. Um, Belen was amazing. She was so outgoing, right? Loud. I think that's the double. Sp- spicy, <laughs> I think is the word that I use. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you always try to speak Spanish to her. Spicy Latina. Which was funny. Yeah. Right. You always attempted to speak Spanish. I didn't attempt. I I more uh, mo- <laughs> mocked her with love. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, so back to she's pregnant at this point, and <laughs> sorry, no, it's all she right, called man. me Chonga all <laughs> the time. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Uh. So, so she's pregnant. Uh. We're super excited, and. We, we start going through the pregnancy process and she doesn't have prenatal insurance. And so we're being mindful of the decisions we make. Um, she goes and uh, gets uh, some blood work done and it came back uh, that it was a possibility that our child would have Down syndrome. And I wasn't in that doctor's appointment that day. I was at work and I was out in my car at Youthville um, on the phone listening. She had it on speakerphone and I was listening to the appointment. Wow. And the doctor instructed us that we needed to go see a specialist in Wichita to get a special sonogram done so that we could make decisions on what we wanted to do. And we were like, nah, we, there's no decision that needs to be made. We don't have insurance to cover this. We're okay. Yeah. Um, the doctor, uh, kind of insisted that we go if we wanted to maintain her as our doctor. So we were like, okay. So, so we went and everything came back normal. And I remember before that, uh, 
Belen had gone up to the altar before that, and and they had she had had a moment uh, with God about that topic, and uh, there's other revelation that comes later with right. with her sister and all yeah. of that amazingness, and so um, it comes. The baby is due in June, uh, which is a month shy of our two-year anniversary, right? So we got pregnant pretty quick after we got married, and everything is great. She's doing great. We go have the baby. Actually, my grandpa died. That's right. Yep. Yeah, and um, we had his funeral on Friday. And she delivered on Saturday. Yep. And we had a beautiful baby boy. Yes. His name is Carson with a K. He likes to tell you that. <laughs> um, so this was uh, in 2011. And uh, almost immediately after the birth, she had a horrible headache. And they just attributed it to uh the strain of of having the having a baby and we get home carson is absolutely perfect there's nothing wrong with him uh and we we progress through the week and Belen's not getting better she has a debilitating headache and i'm taking care of carson 24/7 this newborn and Belen progressively gets worse and worse and worse. And finally, about seven days in, I was really frustrated. And I, I, we actually lived on the same street as my parents. And I called my mom at like two in the morning. I'm like, mom, I need you to come stay with Carson. I need to take Belen to the ER. So I took her up there. Um, I had done some research and I thought I knew what was wrong with her, that she had had a epidural and right. had a spinal headache. Yeah. And so we took her to the ER. I shared that thought. The doctor in the ER was like, no, I, I, the percentages, the odds of that being what it is are minimum. So they gave her an IV and we went home. And a couple of days later, I had taken um, my stepson, her son, to uh, summer school. And I'm calling everybody. I called the birthing center. I called the anesthesiologist. I called everybody trying to get her help. Right. Um, her doctor. I, and I was like, something's not okay. And uh, the, uh, the thought was that it was postpartum. Right. And she just wasn't dealing with it well. And which is understandable, right? And yeah, because she had a huge personality flip there. I remember she was always outgoing and lively, and um, didn't didn't seem like herself for sure, right? During that week, yeah. yeah. And so uh, I called the anesthesiologist people, uh, and they were like, "Yeah, we we really want to get her in and check her out, but um, we need a doctor's note." And so. I called the doctor and uh, they had agreed to, to see her. And so um, 
that was like a Monday. And I was going to take her to the doctor on Tuesday afternoon, if I remember correctly. And we went, I went and took uh, Justin to school again the next day. And I came back and she was out of it. Like, and of course I'm thinking it's postpartum and she had these pain pills to deal with the headache. So I thought she was high off the pain pills. Right. Because she was out of it. And by this time, her sisters, there were a couple sisters here uh, at the house helping and uh, they they got her out of bed, uh, fed her some of her favorite ice cream. And uh, I remember I turned on Air One. That was her favorite station. Right. Right. And uh, a song came on, Strong Enough by Matthew West. And I was like, babe, look, God's speaking to you. Like you're, you're you're strong enough to overcome this. Yeah. And, uh, we, we just were believing that she'd be okay. Yeah. And her sisters were like, well, let's, let's give her a bath. Maybe she'll feel better after a bath. And again, I thought while I was gone that she had just taken too many of the pain pills. And so they had her in the bathtub and we were out just hanging around in the living room and, uh, her sister yells at me, Jeremy, I need you to help me get her out of the bathtub. She can't get out of the bathtub. And I'm like, well, that's weird. And I go in and uh, she couldn't get out of the bathtub. She she couldn't use her left arm to help herself get out of the bathtub. And I was like, come on. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, let's yeah. get out of the bathtub. Yeah. And it wasn't happening. And I pinched her hard. And there was no reaction. And that's when the, oh, mm-hmm. crap, this is not good. And so uh, we called 911. I physically got in the bathtub and pulled her out of the bathtub. Uh, we got some clothes on her and uh, the ambulance came. They were like, how long has she been like this? And they were like a while, um, a couple hours probably. Uh well, why'd you wait so long to call? And we're like, well, I thought she was high, <laughs> right? Like we we didn't yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, so we went in the ambulance. I rode with her up to the ER. Uh, we were in the ER room. Uh, pastor came in, um, and then current pastor, both of them, uh, they came up there, and they did some tests, and. I I wasn't in the room, but my understanding is that pastor, uh, had a very good moment with her in in the, in the ER room, praying together and easing her fears. And we went, I, I remember I walked out and standing outside the ER room was my mom, her twin brother and a sister. And I tell them, she has bleeding on the brain. They're flying her to Wichita. And they start freaking out. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys got to relax. We got to take a deep breath here. We got kids that need taken care of. Yeah. I have a newborn. Um, this, this is a family where she's like one of what, 13? 15. Right? 15 her and her, siblings. Her and her twin brother. 14 siblings. Wow. Are the youngest. And um, so I was like, guys, you got to. We got to focus. 
we got stuff we got to take care of here. And so we end up, they, they get everything taken care of. Uh, there's actual thunderstorms like between Dodd city and Wichita, big thunderstorms. And they're supposed to take the helicopter. So the helicopter can't fly because of the thunderstorms. So they take us to the airport and, and had they taken the helicopter, I wouldn't have been able to go. Right. So step number one of God's presence. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, uh, so we get to the airport, they have the flight team ready to go. We get on the the airplane and I am not the best flyer. (laughs) And Boleyn was horrified of heights. Right. Like, we would go to Colorado. We couldn't go in the mountains. Right. Right. Yeah. Even though, even yeah. though we're still on the ground. Which makes sense. That's a fun trip. Right. To Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to Colorado and not go in the mountains. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so she was horrified of heights. Scared to death to fly. And I am not a good flyer because I get motion sickness. Yeah. And uh, I remember um, I was explaining to her what was happening. And she started to freak out a little bit because she was going to fly. She didn't want to fly. And uh, they ended up giving, giving her some stuff to calm her down. And we, we start flying and they're telling us they're they're telling me that we're going to have to fly way South into Oklahoma to go around these thunderstorms. And I'm like, okay, you know what, whatever has to happen. Let's, let's get to Wichita. And I am, sweating profusely freaking out like the motion sickness is getting to me and i asked these these nurses on this flight i'm like do we have a towel like (laughs) i need a towel oh we don't have a towel i'm like how do we not have a towel on this flight and (laughs) for some reason one had gotten stuck between her gurney and the or her like the the board she was on and the gurney. Wow. And so it was like she was taking care of me again. Yeah. Right. So she had a towel for me. Wow. And so I had that towel and I'm telling you, I was sweating. It was bad. And, uh, so we, we land and I was like, Oh, so how far South did we have to go guys? And they're like, the thunderstorm split. We got to go right, right through it. Wow. I'm like, well, Okay. So yeah. God's there again. Yeah. Like, all right. Awesome. So, uh, we load up in the ambulance cause you land at, uh, the airport in Wichita, Wichita. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so then you have to drive to the, to the hospital downtown. We went to Wesley and, and they don't run their lights on Kellogg which I didn't know. I didn't know that either. And they said that it would just cause a bigger headache with people getting out of the way. So we get there and they take us into the ER. They're doing tests. And it had to have been a while because family started to show up. My, my family, um, some of her siblings and they put her in medical ICU because she had bleeding on the brain 
or I, I get them confused. It was either medical or the operation ICU. And they came back and they told us that it was actually diagnosed incorrectly here and that she had blood clots in her uh, frontal lobe. And they uh, needed to get those thinned out out of the way. So they had been giving her medicine for bleeding on the brain, which is the opposite of what she would need for blood clots. Right. And so we go and, and it's pretty late at this point. I remember. And so then we're overnight there at the hospital. And by this time, almost all of the family is, is around and people are starting to understand that this is a pretty serious I'm sure that's probably close to the time that Jamie's heading that way too. I think Jamie and a couple friends um, had left Dodge at that point. I stayed back with the kids and she was probably heading that way. I'm sure, I'm sure at this point, but yeah, we had a really large group in the waiting room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so the next day, they're, they're talking about the process of, of what needs to happen and they're checking her for strokes. And I don't know if you remember the conversation that you and I had on the phone. Yeah. I was in the chapel and I was like, bro, I am about to lose it because I had been really strong through, through all of that part. And do you remember what you told me? Do you, um, Refresh my memory. So I tell you, I'm about to lose it. You say, Jeremy, what was Boleyn's number one desire for her family? I said that they would know Jesus. And she said, and you, you were like, exactly. So if you freak out today, you need to show them Jesus today. Wow. And you calmed me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, so we get through that day and we go into the night and yeah. Yeah. So we spent another night there and the doctor, I, I didn't tell anybody this, but the neurologist came in uh, and he was like, so I'm not an expert in this field, but I've never seen anything like this. This is, this is really bad. Um, She's in, she's in really bad shape. And I held that to myself. I didn't, I didn't share that with anybody. Um, he said that he had never seen all three of the veins in her frontal lobe had a blood clot in them. And it turned out that she had had several strokes. So her not being able to get out of the bathtub and her mental state that day was caused by, by strokes, uh, however many she had had. It was, it was more than three, um, through the, through that whole time. And so that next morning they had, uh, an EEG or, you know, one of those machines that comes in they strap stuff all over her body and, and something happened in that room. I, I think I've shared this with you that I, I, I believe that she left in that moment, um, and we went 
downstairs. They had to do a CAT scan and I was sitting down there. It was pretty early in the morning and I'm texting people like it's, it's in the basement of a hospital. I'm the only person in this waiting room that fits probably 50 to a hundred people. And I'm like, what is going on here? (laughs) I'm texting people. Are you coming down here with me? Are you coming down here with me? And they're like, yeah, we're on our way. And through that setting there, I remember praying. I was like, God, if you're not going to restore her back to how she was, like if she's not going to be normal, if she's not going to be, I don't want her to suffer at all. I remember praying that and um, like, I don't want her to be in pain. I don't, I don't, I don't want her to just lay in a hospital bed for the rest of her life. And shortly after um, two of her sisters came down and we were sitting there and doctors and nurses became, they just went streaming through the waiting room and I suppose I can say Mindy's name. Mindy says, what's going on? I said, well, I I remember this clear as day. I said, well, my wife's back there and I imagine it's not good. And we get up and we go in the hallway and she had coded. She had flatlined in the hallway. Not even 30 minutes after I'd, uh, I don't, I don't know. People talk about giving permission or whatever. I don't, I don't know what kind of validity that has, but, I had that prayer and so they revived her and they took us all up to a room and proceeded to tell us that she was brain dead and that there was, she was gone, that she was alive by machines at this point. So we're 11 days out of my son being born and my wife has died. And through the process of my grandpa's death, we had discussed um, organ donation. And Boleyn was able to save and change many people's standard of living, um, some of which uh, I know Mindy has contact with. Uh, So through our, our sacrifice, we were able to help uh, many families through organ donation. Um, I would like to encourage everybody uh, to evaluate that in your own life. Um, your body's not going to go to heaven. <laughs> so, yeah, good. so if you can help uh, other people, man, I just encourage you to do that. Um, donate life. It's good. Dot org. Uh, <laughs> anyway. It's uh, good. So, her dad is in Mexico and has no idea that any of this is going on other than she's in the hospital. His baby. Yeah, his baby. Um, her mom had passed uh, several years prior to this, uh, but her dad was in Mexico and a brother was, they had brought him up and they were coming up from South Texas and there were horrible thunderstorms all through Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas. And so through this day and into the night, um, they had to prepare the team for the organ donation. Okay. And they had scheduled it at 
I, I don't, I think it was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night that they were going to start the process and dad hadn't gotten there yet. And he was still a ways out. And that was heavy, right? I mean, a dad, yeah. a dad wants to, you know, like I, I couldn't imagine. So the storms delayed the first scheduled appointment. The doctors couldn't land. The patients couldn't come in for the organ donation. So they're going to delay it a couple hours. We get word of the second delay and they're going to delay it all the way to the next morning. I'm like, what? So first off, that gives time for her dad to arrive. Right. I mean, what a blessing. Yeah. Right. And, you know, some people will say, well, uh, the storms were there. Da, da. Well, no, <laughs> no, that was divine intervention, Yeah, I believe. And they arrived safe because they had to drive through the same storms that the people couldn't fly through. Wow. And I remember walking out of her ICU room after they had told us we're not going to do it right now. And my brother and I had just discussed could you imagine getting that phone call? Hey, we have organ do- donor for you. And then getting the call saying, oh, we got to wait. And then getting the call saying, oh, it's getting delayed again. Like the agony. And I, I just shared that thought with a nurse as I was walking by. And he turned around and ran and stopped me. And he's like, I can't imagine how you can think of somebody else in this moment. And I, I didn't think it was a big deal. It was just a thought that my brother and I had shared. And he was like, that is amazing. And I was like, well, I, I don't I don't know. I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't yeah. fathom getting that call. And then who knows how long the folks were waiting. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, along with the organ donation, my grandma... Uh, the the wife of the grandpa that had passed just uh, shortly before that was one of the first questions she asked was if somebody was able to get eyesight and I was like yes we we donated uh whatever they needed for that because my grandma had received oh cool yeah so she wanted to know and and yeah so that was an awesome moment too with my with my grandma that I got to share and uh, so they come the next morning. They have a beautiful little ceremony uh, when you when you do organ donation. Uh, and they they took her back. And that was the last that we saw. Um, there was a man at the hospital. I want to shout him out. My man, Ben, um, his job at the hospital is to work with kids that are in tragic situations and help them understand. And he was so amazing with our kids because Shaley and Justin at this point were uh, eight, eight and nine, I, I believe. Nine, I, yeah. And he worked with them and my niece and nephew that were so close to Berlin. Yeah. Uh, and man, I want to shout out Ben because that dude was amazing 
awesome guy. I still have contact with him every once in a while. Um, and so, you know, they did the organ donation. We had her funeral. It was an amazing service. Was it, um, who came and preached at that? Was it a brother or an uncle? Yeah, it was her brother. So her brother came. It was definitely a, a bilingual service. And he came and just preached the gospel. Yeah. And so going back to the conversation that you and I had had about, you know, her, her family scene and experiencing Jesus maybe for the first time, um, a packed house at this church. And yeah, the, it was overflow. The gospel's being preached, man. And, you know, I, we've already established that I don't speak very good English, very good Spanish at all, but he tore it up. And I remember thinking that was in, uh, all the music was Belen's favorite worship song. Yeah. And, uh, it was a, a worship service for the most part, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I had a aunt and uncle that weren't able to be there. They were in Tennessee, I believe. And they were watching it online cause we streamed it. Cause there were so many people that she impacted in her short life. And, uh, this is stuck with me that they, They they were proud of me that I could worship God in that moment. Yeah. Uh, because we did. We had a worship service, and the gospel was preached in English and Spanish. <laughs> and uh, Jason brought it. Mm-hmm. That was his first uh, funeral, I believe. Jason Getz. Uh, man, he he did a fantastic job. Uh, the Love Now movement. Yes. That, that kind of happened out of that. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that, man. That was obviously, you know, we've talked for almost 40 minutes about the tragedy itself. Um, tragic situation for a a young uh, husband and father for the new, the new child that came into the, the world and lots, lots of people were affected by this. Yeah. She had lots of sisters that were here locally that did not handle that well. And it was just very tough. Um, a lot of unbelieving non-Christian family members, correct? For sure. Yeah. That were, that didn't know how to handle this. And I remember thinking the same thing about you. I was almost, it was difficult for me to watch you in that moment because you did I think some people may have thought you were emotionless, mm. but it was, I, I saw the, the joy in your heart and it didn't make sense. Like even, even for me who was trying to encourage you and build you up while this tragedy was taking place, I remember almost being upset with you at the funeral. Like, bro, it's totally okay for you to have a hard time right now. Like we're all here so that you can, you know, mourn and be sad and it just it just didn't come during that time it wasn't there um but i want to talk about like the when we were setting up this interview um and talking beforehand you kind of mentioned you didn't know how much kingdom was released (laughs) during that tragedy but i want to say that like i want to talk about some of the fruit that came that came out of that we talked about jason 
uh, being kind of the, uh, he was the associate pastor at the time at the, the church we were going to. Um, for those of you who don't know that Jason gets uh, one of the two brothers on the two brothers podcast and a good friend of ours. Um, he was the associate pastor at the time and was kind of one of Belen's sisters, Myrna, um, had recent, <laughs> very recently started to come to church at that time too, I think. I don't know if it was before she passed or if I it don't was remember. during or after, but she was mourning, mourning the loss of her sister and started to come to church and the associate pastor was kind of involved with helping a, a mourning woman and uh, Jason was very recently divorced at that time and... A, be- <laughs> a, be- a beautiful morning woman uh, needed some support and love and he was there during that and they struck up a pretty quick relationship and he is married to Myrna uh, now Myrna gets at the time so that's some positive fruit that's come out of that oh Boleyn um, wanted that so badly yeah Boleyn was trying way. to hook those two up for a long time I remember yes yeah trying to hook up her sister <laughs> with her pastor yes yeah that's awesome so that's positive fruit that came out of that. Um, and then, as you mentioned, kind of the, the Love Now movement that happened during that. Uh, I, dude, I still see those shirts around town yeah. all the time, the Love Now shirts. Um, I will say that tragedy in, in my life and my family from that was my wife lost her best friend. Yep. And how long ago was that, did you say? How many years? It's been almost eight years. Almost eight years ago. And my wife has still struggled with with that as far as like not letting other women in. You know, sure. she, she didn't have friends for a while, found a friend, lost her quick, and really took some uh, time to adjust to that for sure. But for you, and I want you to dig down deep, and I want you to just really think about what the Lord has done in your life since then and how you can pinpoint some examples of how the kingdom was released in your life. I know you can do it for you. What's, what's changed. What's some things that, that the Lord has done in you and through you from this, this tragedy that you experienced? Well, I, it's been, it's been a pretty broad journey over the last almost eight years, uh, from maintaining what I knew at that point in my life to be a relationship with God, um, to having that fall away, to rekindling that to today where, man, it, it's, that's all there is, mm-hmm. is that personal relationship. And so, yeah, my son is amazing. Yeah. He is so much like his mother. <laughs> uh, not so much in the hair department. No. <laughs> Big old blonde curly head anyway. Yeah. Um, but he's so outgoing. Yeah. Doesn't know a stranger. And and that was so much who she was as a person. So it's interesting to see how he has adapted her characteristics, personality characteristics without ever knowing her. Ever knowing her. And that's been something also that he has had to deal with that he and I have had to work through. Uh, together and and amazing counselors in his life um, helping that process as well but that's one of the things that he talks about he's like I 
you know, there's, there's other kids that he knows that have suffered a loss, but he, he says, I'm the only one that didn't know him. Yeah. And so just working through that has been, it's been a journey over the last almost eight years. And I know relationships was something that was tough for you too. After that, um, obviously, uh, as a younger guy, uh, single guy, not single guy, single father, um, you desired relationship with a woman, right? Yeah. Let's just be real. You had a, you had a wife and then all of a sudden you didn't have a wife. Um, I know that was always a, a struggle and I think you kind of, I'm proud of you. I feel like you had every opportunity and every reason really in the natural to kind of go back to your old ways mm. of, of being a womanizer and being a player and getting into alcohol. And you never really did that. And that was awesome that you kind of held tight to uh, the new foundation that you had in Christ. But I know it was a struggle for you, like desiring a woman. Yeah. And you went through a couple relationships. Yeah. Um, probably more surfacey than, yeah. than anything, but just that, that natural desire. Um, and then you found one. Yes. You found a woman, right? <laughs> yes. So I know she's probably going to be listening to this. I think she listens to this pretty consistently. And so shout out to Cassie. Yes. Don't want this to be such a down, <laughs> downer episode for her, but I really believe that she got to experience a better version of Jeremy because of that tragedy. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that that's probably accurate um that loneliness factor you know was was real big there early and i you talk about early relationships and i i was probably seeking a relationship out out of a loneliness for sure yeah rather than a desire to um you know fall in love yeah for lack of a better. Yeah. Um, we went to a men's encounter and you and Scotty yeah. prophesied over me that I was going to find that, that God was preparing a woman for me, a godly woman, a woman that wanted the desire uh, to have a personal relationship with him. And it wasn't, <laughs> but a couple months, maybe even that, Cassie and I started talking and, you know, had our first date on Good Friday. (laughs) (laughs) What a good Christian man. Yeah, right. Uh, That's how you planned that, I'm sure. Yeah, our first date was to Good Friday service. (laughs) We can't date till next Friday. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Yeah, so she's amazing. Um, Super on fire. She's very supportive. Yeah. Yeah. this is actually an episode that you asked permission from her yeah, to come on to, right? Yeah. Understandably, me being the uh, not-so-sensitive guy <laughs> when it comes to this, I asked you to come on here and spill your guts about a, your, your wife and didn't even really think about that. So I'm glad that you did. Yeah. You did. And she was very supportive of it, it sounds like. Yeah, she was. So what do you... Th- I'm going to give you a couple, a couple seconds here, a couple seconds to like speak to that person, maybe specifically that man 
that has gone through tragedy or currently in tragedy, um, what's some, what's some words that you have for that person? I would just encourage anybody that's in any kind of situation. It doesn't even have to be a death, just anything, uh, talk about it. And that was one of the things that, that pastor did with me at the very start, had me talking about it. And that was a huge help. And then don't try to hide your emotions. I remember walking around at Toys R Us, bawling. And I finally just sat down in the baby section and I just sat there and cried at the Toys R Us. Um, I, I would never shied away from my feelings. I never tried to hide them. I never tried to suppress them. And I let them out. And man, I had supportive family and friends. Uh, the church fed me for what seemed like months. Right. Um, my sister stayed with me for weeks, helping take care of Carson. Uh, the love my brother showed during that, that time. Uh, just surround yourself with people and don't be afraid of your emotions and don't be afraid to be honest with God and, and let him, let him work through those questions. Why? Why would, you know, I could have asked, I, I, I'm certain I did ask, why, why would you bless her and then let this happen, right? And the reality is, is it wasn't him, Good. right? It was, the enemy comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. That's good. And, you know, it certainly was not his desire yeah. for her to die. Um, so reassure yourself of that and speak it over yourself especially when the enemy tries to fill your head with lies about it and seek counseling, go to, go to grief group, go to, go to whatever you need to do. Don't, don't be ashamed of it. It's, it's normal. There are other people experiencing it. Uh, and be prayerful. I can, I can honestly say that in these last eight years, that the years that were the most difficult, were years that I stepped away from God, that he, it wasn't him leaving me. It was me stepping away. Wow. And so just stay close. It's good. Well, I want to encourage you too, man. I feel like, you know, you may be hesitant to be able to see or explain how the kingdom inside of you was released during that time, but it absolutely was. And there were, um, probably hundreds of people that were impacted and affected by your uh, steadfast, foundational, just hope that you had in your heart. I mean, you just, you walked in. First of all, you knew that your wife was in heaven. Like yes. that's, that's one of those like, <laughs> duh things. And, and, and that doesn't take the place of like grieving and mourning that we all know is just there. Yeah. And God's actually good. Like he wants you you should mourn for your wife when she passes away. Yeah. Absolutely. But there was, I know there was an everlasting hope in your heart that your wife knew the Lord yeah. and was now spending eternity with him. Right. And so that, you know, that's something that we don't all have. We don't all have that, that knowledge and that understanding and that belief that the, our loved ones are right with the Lord. Yeah, that was one of the things that I always said. I was like, well, she ain't going to trade Jesus for me, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Give her a second <laughs> chance. She's staying put. Yeah. 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 That's good, man. 
you are you are to this day i believe i love how you can tell this story and um it means something to you you know it's not you're not callous to it right and you've the fruit of this tragedy is is your son yes right i mean you get to look at him every day and i've i've actually heard uh unfortunately sometimes people look at their child in those moments and they kind of start having negative thoughts about mm. the kid you know mm-hmm. like you you because of you kind of stuff and that's awful that's gross but you've got an am- <laughs> you've got an amazing love for your son and i think um one thing that god was able to do that was kind of god turning what the enemy meant for harm into your good was mm. was here's this son that you're always going to have and you're always going to have that that love in your heart you know yeah memories may fade and that's probably a good thing for you but the love in your heart's there sure yeah for that whole situation and uh i think it's kind of cool that you get to put that love into action now with 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 cassie yes and um it's beautiful it's awesome thanks man thanks buddy for doing this um i know it was tough kind of a all over the place mess maybe even for your uh (laughs) beloved host (laughs) but uh i thank you for coming on man sharing problem kingdom was released in the middle of your tragedy. So we are all better for it. Thanks. Thanks for being who you are, man. Love you, dude. Love you too. Hey, thank you all so much for tuning in once again. Don't forget to check out kingdombringer.com. There you can find the Kingdom Bringer blog that comes out every week. Also easy access to the podcast itself through Apple Podcasts. Please go on to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. That would be amazing. Also, I want to encourage you to visit us on Facebook at KB Podcast. There you can donate. So if you are interested in doing so and helping us keep this thing going, prayerfully consider that. Click that donate button. It'll take you to a push pay link where you can set up a one-time gift or a monthly giving plan. Either one would be a blessing. We would appreciate that very much. Don't forget to check out the Two Brothers Podcast and Supernatural Living with Beth Packard. Both, along with the Kingdom Bringer Podcast, are a part of the KB Podcast Network. Your guys' support and listenership is important. We value it. We love you guys. Don't forget to send your questions and comments as well to thekingdombringers at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, interact with you, get a relationship going. You guys are amazing. You're loved. Until next time, be blessed.